Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. guys i just thought it was important to note as we move into this series on religion that nobody that i have on here nor am i myself a theologian um we're kind of just here to offer our perspectives around our belief systems and hopefully to break down some stigmas so thank you so much for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode data Hey everybody, we have a very special episode today. We actually have the opportunity to hear from two people about this topic. And the first is Macy. Macy, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, sure. My name is Macy Gorbich and I go to school with Virginia. And um, I'm Jewish and I'm excited to share my story with Judaism. Yeah. And so Macy, I feel like your experience is one that's unique, especially because of um where we live and living in the South and things of that nature. But I kind of want to hear about um, just like the beginnings of your journey with Judaism from being like a young girl. So when I was younger, I didn't go to a school like Hume Fogg. I, at my school, I was one of the only Jewish kids in my grade. And that's not an uncommon thing, but the other kids in my grade didn't go to synagogue with me. So like on Sundays when I'd go to Sunday school, I didn't really know any of the other kids there and I didn't have much of a connection to my synagogue. And at the same time, as you know, you're growing, your friendships change a lot and you're figuring out who you are. And so I would go through periods where I didn't necessarily have like a specific group of people that I connected with, whether it was in school, in sports, outside of school or at temple. And so I kind of struggled to find my place until I hit middle school when I started, when I had my bat mitzvah and I started becoming a lot more involved in like my temple youth group as well as um, a youth group called NIFTY, which is a national organization through the Union of Reformed Judaism. And that was kind of the first time as well as getting like immersed in the bat mitzvah process where I became more independent and was able to kind of find a place where I started to fit. And because of that, I've become a lot more involved and it's kind of gradually become more of something that I'm really passionate about, which yeah, has been that is changing. So, so, so beautiful just to hear about like right off the bat and kind of being able to find a place within that. Cause I think of like surrounding the topic of religion in general, a lot of times it can be something that is scary for people to venture into because it's something that does seem like, oh, like, am I going to be able to find a community? Am I going to be able to find people that, like, I kind of fit with? And so I think that that's really, really cool. And kind of just um, for people that don't know, can you talk a little bit about what bar and bat mitzvah, kind of, like, that process is and what that means and signifies? Yeah, so bar and bat mitzvah generally happens when you're around 12 or 13. I had mine when I was 12 because my family agreed that um, because there were so few Jewish kids in my grade, Um, me having the first bat mitzvah in my grade would be a really great way for other people to experience what that's like. And it's kind of when you're stepping into adulthood. And so in the sense that um, 
especially if you are more religious, you would follow a lot more of kind of the, I don't want to say laws, but that's not the right word, but in the sense that like on the day of fasting, you would fast and it's the first time that you're standing in front of your community and you're leading a service relatively on your own. And so starting, I think I started because I started early in around fourth grade, I went to what we called a cohort class where I sat in a room with just a few other kids with my rabbis and we would learn the basic prayers. And then once you set your bat mitzvah date and you get into the process of planning, you will meet with your rabbi one-on-one once a week and you'll really solidify the basic prayers. And um, then you will have a Torah portion, which is like every week there's a new portion and it's a section from the Torah and there's a new section every week. And so like my Torah portion was on, um, it was about like skin disease and the rules of menstruation for women and like the rules of purity in that sense. And so I learned my Torah portion and I learned my Hoff Torah portion, which is the portion from the Book of Prophets. And then I also wrote a speech talking about my Torah portion and um, I connected it to real world issues that um, dealt with it. And it's about a, a year long process and you then at the end of it, go in front of your whole community, your family, your friends, and you lead the service. And that's like the first time that you really do that. Wow. That is so, so fascinating. And just pouring out like this wealth of knowledge of things that I kind of thought I had an idea about, but I feel like you have just explained so much more than I thought I knew. And I think that that is really cool to see your ability to have that leadership in a sense um, at such like a young age and kind of you being taught to be like a leader because I think that that's such an important skill regardless of like what your like faith is, but also especially going into that um, and being able to kind of have that skill when you are tied to a certain faith, you know, and being able to kind of lead others, especially in something like that and lead others in love and lead others in light. And I think that that's so, so cool. And um, what was that experience like in terms of kind of having that be an introduction for people into what Judaism is within your community? Because I know that you said that there were so few people and um, how you were kind of like the first in your grade. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Um, It was definitely something I will never forget. One of the really amazing things about my synagogue is its emphasis on inclusion. And so when we'll have big services, they'll always be sure to include kids who are not kids, just people from the community who come, who aren't Jewish. So we'll have people from churches and mosques come to our synagogue for services, and they always get to participate in one way or another. And so that was something that my family felt was really important. And so when I was doing my Torah portion and I was reading um, my different aliyahs, which is um, when you call up different groups of people to bless the Torah before you read specific sections, Um, we had my entire grade come up and they all got to stand around me and help me bless the Torah. And they got to see, you know, what the Torah looks like, because unlike the books, the prayer books you read, the Torah is just Hebrew and there's no, um, in Hebrew, there's vowels, which are symbols that help you to pronounce the words. And that's not there. And so people were able to look and actually see what it looked like. And one of the coolest parts was like, 
um, the service was open to anybody who wanted to be there. So all of my teachers from kindergarten through sixth grade, because I was in sixth grade, they were all invited. Um, some of my friends brought their parents and even my teachers were invited to come up and bless the Torah for a different aliyah and they all got to stand around and see it. And I think giving them the opportunity not only to see what I did, but see what I was reading was a really cool thing. And then I also remember um, at the, like after the service, there's a party um, that we threw at the Green Door Gourmet, which was really fun. And it was like yeah. um, <laughs> national themes and it was a fun lunch. And I remember one of the dances, it's a very traditional dance and it's called the Hora. And um, usually everyone holds hands and dances around in a circle and the family of the bar bat mitzvah, including myself, gets lifted up in a chair up above everybody. And I remember none of my classmates knew what to do. So they, because it was during the time when the whip and nene came out. So they were all just doing the whip and the nene. And it was so fun just to see them all be so enthusiastic about something they'd never experienced before. And I thought that it was really great that I got to provide that for someone else. Yeah, I think that that is so cool. I mean, just... I'm I'm kind of taken aback by that because I think that that is something again that is so important with like no matter what religion um, you take part in is the idea of like inclusivity and that it doesn't need to be this thing that's so exclusive or closed off. It really is this individual experience, you know. And so I think that being able to kind of open people up to that and not be like it's not this little like secret that you're trying to like keep and you don't have to be in this I don't know like a specific group there's not these boxes that you have to check off in order to like be friends with certain people or have to like be a part of things it's it's not like I don't know I feel like people get the get the idea that it's like a little like cult if you're like in like a religion or something like that and it's it's really not and I think that that is so cool about your church about them like allowing people to come in and just learn like regardless of like what they believe just being able to like learn and see how you worship and see what you believe and what the practices are I think that that is so beneficial um, especially for young kids to have the idea of like learning about these things at a young age and getting to explore different cultures and different belief systems and um, I know that you mentioned your church was very inclusive and I know that there are different types of Judaism, and you mentioned being a Reformed Jew. Can you talk just for a minute about what that means? Yeah, so when it comes to, I guess you could think of it as different branches, depending on your interpretation of um, the Torah and sort of Jewish law, and like, like how much you interpret the Ten Commandments, and how strictly you follow those rules, and so like, um, I'm a reformed Jew, so um, especially for my personal experience, a lot more value is placed on like ethical tradition and community and social action over specifically following the Torah and the rules because there are a lot of rules that people follow who maybe interpret it a little more strictly. And so that's been a very awesome thing for me because since it's values so much more on community and social action and finding your voice i've had a lot of room to kind of figure out who i am as a person and who i am as a jewish person and what i believe and what i may not believe as much and so that's been a really important thing as well for me yeah and kind of diving into that i 
know you obviously as my friend as being someone who is such a big advocate for social rights and for just like civic action and so can you talk a little bit about that and how you kind of were able to find your identity within that um in tandem with your like beliefs and all of that yeah so one of the coolest things that i get to do through my youth group nifty so nifty is um a national organization through the Union of Reform Judaism. And because it's national, it's split into regions and it's all student run. So like this year, I'm the regional social action vice president. Wow. And so when we, which, yeah, it's really awesome. And when we plan events, like we had one a couple of weeks ago, the program that I led was all about um, being more aware and understanding your biases. And because of that, that's, um, just social action in general is such a big part, not just of my youth group Nifty, but of my Jewish community. And so there's always, um, like when we have high holy day services, um, we always have donations going for like uh, the Nashville Food Project and um, my kind of adult role models in terms of like my rabbis and the head of education at my synagogue are super focused on that and they've always immersed me in different ways that I can use my voice in ways that I can be active within the Nashville community as well. Yeah. And it's been very eye-opening. I think that, that that is so cool. And it's cool to see you talk about your story from being like young and not really like knowing your place and kind of having to like discover yourself and see me knowing you and seeing where you are now is beautiful. But even just hearing you talk about it is so cool to see the way that you're like learning to take initiative and learning to take control of your narrative and helping others find that in themselves too, I think is so, so cool and so beautiful to watch happen. And I know that you mentioned um, your rabbi, and I know that this is something that we'd spoken about a little bit, but if you wanted to touch on maybe the way that she's influenced like you in your own life and how she's kind of a little bit of a role model for you. Yeah, I'd love to. So my rabbi, has become one of the most influential people helping me grow into who I am. Um, she was the person who I worked with one-on-one -on -one for my bat mitzvah, and she's one of the most brilliant speakers I've ever heard. Like, um, during the High Holy Days, it lasts for several days, and there's um, different services that you go to, and she always speaks at one of them. And I remember, like, one time I went to the beach, and I had to miss the service and I live streamed it because her messages are always so powerful. And she was actually supposed to speak at Hume Fog in April, but because of COVID, she wasn't able to. And because she's been, especially as a woman in such a religious position, that's not something that is always seen. And so seeing her, she goes to lots of conferences and she's such an advocate for Jewish people and for people in general. And so she's really been someone that has shown me like what it means to be an advocate, what it means to use my voice and how to do it in a really impactful way. And she's someone that I talk to a lot about these things. And she's someone that I've always looked to um, when it comes to social action and speaking out about things that aren't right in general. I can't remember who said this quote, but I saw a quote that was like, I, I can accept the things I cannot change, but I will change the things I cannot accept. And that's something that I think she embodies. And it's something that I try to embody in my life as well, because it's so important. And she's been one of people's really taught me how to do that. 
Yeah, that it's, it's again, you're like everything that you're saying is just so beautiful and so impactful unto me right now. And I think that that is something, I mean, so many of the things that you said are like important and like wonderful, but I think one thing, especially for me, um, being a young girl and having those female role models, um, that I can look up to within my own belief system and within my place of worship, that's huge. And it's huge to see that you can take part in being a leader in these things. I mean, it's like what you've been echoing this whole time about learning to be a leader and learning to like love others through your experiences. And I think that that is something that is so huge is being able to have role models that look like you um, and that are really practicing what they preach, literally practicing what they preach. And one of the things that I've also found super awesome about what she does is in terms of being a woman in this position, she's kind of breaking, like breaking the glass on that in the sense that like, you don't see that a lot. And there's not a lot of people who do what she does. And not only has she taught me how to be a leader, but she's shown me that I can do things that maybe I didn't think I could do or things that aren't necessarily something that you typically see in the greater society. And I think that the fact that she does that and she does such a wonderful job of it is an amazing thing to see. And she's so passionate about it too. Yeah. And I think from what, from what you've said about her, it's, it's not, she obviously has this position of leadership and she is breaking like these boundaries, but she's not doing it in like this subtle way that's like, oh, I'm going to tiptoe through it. Like I got here. And so I'm just going to like sit here and kind of like be thankful for what I got, like be thankful that I broke through this barrier. She's like pushing further and trying to allow other people to break those barriers too. And really using that position to create meaningful change. Like she's not scared of her own power. And I think that that is something that is so important to see I mean, for all of us, and especially in this time where I feel like there is so much social change and social action going on, seeing that we can do those things that we didn't think we can, and that once we get those things, we don't have to stop there. Like, we can keep going and keep pushing for other people, and just that idea of bringing other people up with you, I think, is so beautiful. I agree, and it's been very much something that has influenced who I've become and who I'm still becoming as I um, gain more experience in the world and, um, keep figuring out who I am too. Yeah. And kind of closing out this discussion on your beautiful and ever expanding, wonderful experience. Um, what would you say that you take the most pride in about, um, your faith and kind of who you become because of it? Um, I would have to say that I think part of it is how influential my community has been, the um, people that my parents are friends with, the people that I'm friends with, I think having that community of people that always have your back and that um, are people you can always talk to about things has been super important. And I think the bond that everybody shares, especially being people who, I think one of the coolest things about being a reformed Jew is the fact that it is so encouraged to kind of figure out who you wanna be and figure out what you believe in. And so, because there's so much more of an emphasis on being a voice and being a leader, I've been able to like, like when I was a freshman in high school, they took my, my grade, we went to New York City and we got to go to like the Jewish Museum and um, just spend time as a class together. And that's not something that you typically get to do. And I think that having that 
community and having people who so want you to be involved and so want you to find your place and that enthusiasm is one of the most amazing things especially when there's times you know when you're in school and you feel like you're alone sometimes this is a place that is always there for you and a place that always allows you to be yourself and continue to figure out who you want to be and um who you want to be within the community as well yeah i think that it, that's just like it makes my heart like light up and i think that that is so true i think that there are times um for so many different reasons that you can feel isolated in a certain community and definitely a lot of times if you have a certain faith um that can be part of it and it can sometimes feel isolating or lonely especially like you said um for you being a jew in the south i think that i can't even imagine what that experience is like too and so i think that that just it's so beautiful to hear you talk about that and in such a fun way of finding your own community and i just want to say thank you so much for being the light that you are and thank you for coming on today to tell your story thank you for having me this was awesome and i've loved being able to talk about this this is one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> Madeline, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, uh, my name is Madeline Lederman. I am 15 and I am Jewish and I go to St. Cecilia Academy. Yeah, and so Madeline, one thing that I find really impressive about you is your ability to spark conversations that try to educate people about Judaism and also kind of about anti-Semitism in today's world and society and how it is still so prevalent. And so you, can you kind of talk a little bit about that and maybe what made you so passionate about um, educating people and talking about that? Yeah, so I think this year was really when I started to notice the, the small acts of anti-Semitism around myself and just in the world in general. Um, I've seen and read stories about like terrible things that have happened to people and I have been inspired to share those stories with my friends and to help understand where anti-semitism is based and how it how it's grown and how we can um, we can stop the anti-semitism as soon as possible yeah and I think when people tend to think about anti-Semitism, obviously like their mind immediately goes to things like the Holocaust and things like such as that. But I think that there are so many microaggressions that go on that people don't really recognize. So can you talk about, and even like beyond microaggressions, just things that happen in current events that people just aren't seeing and that aren't getting publicized. So can you talk a little bit about the specificities behind all of those? Yeah, so I think a lot of time, um, anti-Semitism is spread on social media because we do have access to social media and we have access to easily spreading information just at like the touch of a finger. And sometimes information can be spread either incorrectly or it can be hurtful information. Um, I think a lot of sometimes people in power, such as political figures, um, sometimes will share things on I've seen on Twitter where I've seen senators retweet um, anti-Semitic sayings or videos in interviews with anti-Semitic conversations and I think that is cloaked in definitely anti-Semitism. Yeah I 100% I agree and I think that 
um, I've had the privilege of growing up in a community where I feel like there is more of a light on Judaism and on Jewish culture. And I think that especially living in the South, um, which is something that I talked about with Macy, our last guest, that there isn't as much knowledge about what Judaism really is and about what that like looks like in general. And so I think that it does have this outlet that allows people in power, like you said, to kind of spread this message. And um, how do you feel like that manifests in terms of society? I know that there have been like outward acts of violence against Jews, but also I feel like in schools sometimes there's little things that can happen that just kind of make you take a second look and think like about how that can really harm somebody. And so can you talk a little bit about that and your experience with that? Yeah, um, I think when people of all ages see any sort of hate from anyone in a more powerful place than and than them, it almost shows that it is okay to act on that and to act in hate um, in any way, which which isn't. Um, and I think in schools specifically, there's a lot of ignorance around Judaism mm-hmm. and. I think at my school right now, we are learning in drama. We are um, practicing our Anne Frank monologue. And our drama teacher has told us to do a German accent. Um, and St. Lee has been doing that for, <laughs> for a very long time now. And they say it's tradition, but I don't think it's appropriate. And we voice that to the school and other students have. And that is based in, I believe it's purely based not in a hurtful purpose or hurtful manner, but it translates into ignorance and and not being aware of, of what they're doing. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's, it's things like that. And I, I hear these jokes sometimes at school that people just like kind of throw around that I think if it was aimed towards them, that they would really be taking a second look at. And it would really be like, uh, that's not, it's just not funny. And it's not based in any sense of humor or lightheartedness when you look at the root of the issue. And specifically in something like you just said, um, but then you're in school, things like that. These things that don't necessarily come from places of like malintent or things like that, but are just so ignorant. I think that that's where you have to take a second look and re-examine your pride and kind of like your arrogance if it's something that someone's coming at you with. And I think that that's something that we've seen a lot this past summer um, with a lot of the Black Lives Matter things is really re-examining yourself. And even if it's something that you're not aware of, being able to take that second look at yourself and really watch what you're saying and watch what you're doing and watch how it affects other people. And so can you kind of dive a little bit deeper into the ways that you've kind of tried to make a change in educating people, um, like you said, like in your school, but also just throughout the community on social media? Yeah, so I think it was maybe late May, I somehow stumbled upon um, this interview with one of the um this woman who was in the neighborhood of the tree of life synagogue and as you may know there was a terrible shooting i think a few years back that killed 11 people um and it was a it was the worst 
anti-Semitic action in the 21st century in America. Mm -hmm. And um, that inspired me to share with my peers how sometimes, of course, the, the big terrible acts of anti-Semitism or hate are seen, but sometimes the smaller things do go unseen. And just trying to show everyone um, and to help educate that sometimes just process your words and just think about what you're saying and to help people understand that yeah um i've shared a lot of my instagram stories i've had my friends ask questions i received a question um that said do the jews or do the jewish people have anything like the ten commandments and that is when i kind of realized like oh this is this is a thing like it's it's so great for everyone to learn about this um because it's really educational yeah yeah, I think that that is so cool, and that's something that we're planning about. Uh, we're planning on talking about within this series is kind of how a lot of these major religions do have so many things in common, um, and that there can be s such division when it comes to the way that people like look at themselves and just kind of wanting to be um, a little bit like self righteous in what they believe. And sure, like have pride within what you believe and all of that. But I think also recognizing that there are a lot more commonalities than there are differences between a lot of these major religions and um, it doesn't give you the right to spread hatred against anyone else. And specifically talking about, um, like you had mentioned within your school, how do you go about getting that courage to bring up those things to people who are in positions of power above you or who are maybe older than you? Because I think that as young people, it can be hard sometimes for people our age to um, take that next step and to try to educate people who are older than us and who maybe are rooted in what they believe is quote-unquote tradition. Yeah, I, I think that we all do have a voice, no matter your age, and it's it's so important that you use your voice um, and you, you voice your opinions and you stand for what is good and what is right. And sometimes that is difficult, but I think it's it's very important. And I try to look at the situation from all angles and if I think it's necessary to act on that situation or if it's an immediate situation I'll speak to that person I'll say hey like that's actually like an offensive term let's not say that or I've talked to our vice principal and I said the girls I mean specifically at St. Celia um we just they just need to know because I've heard some interesting things go on at school around anti-Semitism and racism. And it is just so important that we, one, use our voices, and two, just just learn. Just take the time to learn. There's no, like, nothing to be ashamed about to, to learn and to change your opinion and to grow. Um, and I think that's important, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that you've seen a lot of people have misconceptions about um, Jewish culture and about Jewish faith. And so I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit um, as well. And also kind of in that importance of, you know, asking questions, because I think that people can be so afraid um, to ask them for fear of seeming disrespectful or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, to begin with, I think there is no asking a question purely out of curiosity and purely just trying to learn more there is um so much goodness in that um and i've heard 
countless girls say, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Like, thank you for helping me understand. And I've had the opportunity to learn and to grow about other subjects. And I think um, just, just being able to ask for that information um, and to be able to give it, it's just, it's an incredible thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you could um, mention a few of those like specific misconceptions that maybe you've seen people have or like those specific questions where they were like, wow, I didn't know that. Because I think that sometimes, again, even with like the initial part of like asking questions can be scary. I think sometimes asking, knowing where to begin with questions or knowing the right questions to find out like the information that they really need to know is um, hard to do. Yeah. Um one of the most popular questions that I have never received, but I know throughout history has been a rather large um, component is, do Jews have horns or, or tails or scales, um, which is not the case, but um, sometimes that people, I've heard people say that, um, and again, not always in the, a hurtful manner, but just, I thought Jews had horns. That's what I thought. That's what I was raised on. Um, sometimes a lot of people have said, I thought Jews all had large noses and curly black hair. Um, again, not, not the case. And other things such as um, all Jews are extraordinarily rich and Jews are controlling the government and things to do lots of things to do with money it, it ranges for sure yeah. yeah I think that's interesting to hear because like that thing about horns and scales is something that to me seems so outlandish but I'm sure you know in other parts of the world and even other parts of the country probably that's something that people might actually like believe and have been um told and I think that that's it's so interesting and I think that again it relates back to us having to really examine um, not only the context that we live in, but the context of like the world in general. And I think it's also interesting um, because something that I found out recently is Jews make up such a small percentage of the world's population. And so it really does allow those, those things to prosper um, and those weird images or misconceptions to prosper. And so I think that we have to take that into account too, that just because maybe you, I specifically live in a place where I have had the privilege of like seeing a lot and hearing a lot about Jewish culture, it doesn't mean that other people have those things. And so how would you recommend someone who isn't Jewish themselves go about trying to fight anti-Semitism or even just trying to um, help spread respect for Jewish culture and help spread knowledge about Jewish culture? Yeah, um, of course, right now we can't, due to COVID, we don't have the opportunity to go to marches, um, but there are many other ways. Um, there's, um, of course, there's social media. You can, you can share information on social media. You can just talk to your friends, talk to your family, just help, help educate people. Um, and I think the first step is definitely to educate yourself, um, which even I've had to do. I've had to learn more about anti-Semitism and Judaism. Um, 
And I think, as you did say, there is such a small percentage of the world that identifies as Jewish. So it's so important to um, educate and understand. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. I think that all of those things are wonderful. And I think that all of them kind of go along with that theme of just standing behind and amplifying Jewish voices um, in the same way that we're working on, I think, in our culture, amplifying a lot of voices of minorities. Um, and I think kind of to like wrap this up in the same way that I asked Macy, what would you say that you are most prideful, or I guess most proud of is a better way to phrase it, about your Jewish heritage and Jewish culture and Jewish faith? Yeah, um, my great-grandmother um, helped my grandma and my grandma's siblings. Um, they were in Germany during the Holocaust, and my great-grandmother, she claimed to be sick for a week, and the Nazis were on their way to come get my great-grandmother, and but they're not, they're not, they weren't allowed to take any sick people. So they just escaped getting taken to the concentration camp. And I think that's, it's really like incredible and powerful to think about how, how honestly one, how not long ago that was, but to know that I had that in my family. And that's just, it's incredible just to think about how strong my family is. And I continue to be strong for them. Yeah, I think that that is so beautiful. And I think that Again, that message is so important to hear that, A, we're in close proximity, not only just in like friendships and social connections with um, the Holocaust, but also in history. Like it was not that long ago. And I think that um, I just, I admire you so much for spreading that message and for making sure that people are educated and for really just standing up for what you believe in and um, standing up for the other people who maybe don't have that voice. And so thank you so much for being on here today, for educating me and so many others. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.